0: Especially on the line, I can create something out of nothing, right? We think we're magicians, <laughs> you know? Because I type some words and I host them on a website, and people show up from around the world, and they can become my customers, and we can do amazing things. and we can organize action like we're talking about today.
1: and that is such a gift, Sonia. That is such a complete gift.
0: It's such a gift. and i I want to caution anybody who's participating in this amazing experiment, you know, of the internet. We take it for granted. The mm. infrastructure that lets us do it, and we just think, well, it's 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 always going to be free, and it's always going to be fast, and it's and we we can't take it for granted. We have to protect it. Whatever it is that you are using the web to get the word out about, we need to protect the web. We can't just take it for granted and think it's always going to be the way it is today. Yeah, and and that's that's really what I want people to kind of take away.
1: This is Brian Clark from Copy Blogger, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com.
0: Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now,
1: here's your host, Ash Roy. Hey, this is Ashroy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com and this episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights podcast editing service which takes away all the pain of podcast editing and gets your show onto iTunes and onto your WordPress site with minimal involvement from you. All you need to do is upload your MP3 file to Dropbox and we'll take care of the rest. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to find out how we can get started today. You can access all the show notes for this episode at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 144. And if you enjoyed this episode, you might enjoy episode 116 with Brian Clark, where we talked about how to create content and how to humanize content. Episode 107 and 108, where I previously spoke to today's guest, Sonia Simone on how to be a prolific content marketer, and episode 75 with Joe Polizzi, the founder of Content Marketing Institute, on how to create content that meets your buyer where they are on their journey. If you haven't already left a review for us on iTunes, I would encourage you to do so. All you need to do is go to the iTunes store, type in productive insights in the search bar, and then click on ratings and reviews and go ahead and leave us a review. I would greatly appreciate that. And if you find this episode is valuable and that somebody else can benefit from it, then I encourage you to share it with your friends. Thank you for tuning in and let's get on with the show. Today, I'd like to reintroduce a guest I was delighted to feature as an expert in episodes 107 and 108. She's Sonia Simone, and she's one of the leading authorities when it comes to content marketing and creation. Creating high-value customer relationships. She's the co-founder of Copyblogger and the chief content officer of Rainmaker Digital. She's also just launched a new personal project, a blog called remarkable-communication.com. As digital entrepreneurs, we sometimes don't realize how important our infrastructure is until it's gone. And that's what we're here to talk about today, which is our equal access to the internet on an even footing. So, What we're talking about here today is net neutrality. And one of the most valuable assets as digital entrepreneurs, if not the most valuable asset, I believe, is access to creating content and delivering it to the world via the internet. And at this point in time that has been threatened to some extent. So Sonia and I are here to talk about it because we as content creators value this even playing field where the little businesses can compete with the big businesses regardless of how deep their pockets are and they can deliver their content on an equal footing. What is specifically at stake is people with deeper pockets will essentially have the right to deliver their content at higher speeds, essentially offering them a fast lane. And this will mean that the little guys like you and I listening to this episode will not be able to deliver content as quickly. And this can affect our rankings and so on. So... I'm very passionate about this, as is Sonia. So welcome, Sonia. Welcome back to the Productive Insights Podcast.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity.
1: You're welcome. So Sonia, just to set the scene, I'd like to just explain net neutrality a little bit more for our listeners. I first came across the term when I read about it on the Copyblogger website, and it was an article you actually wrote yourself, Sonia. Net neutrality is a term popularized by Professor Tim Wu from Columbia Law School. And in essence, Tim describes it as something that protects free speech online by not allowing internet providers to use a fast lane, the richer internet providers. The US Federal Communications Commission is looking to change this law and is looking to allow larger corporations to deliver their content via this fast lane, which can significantly impact smaller businesses like you and I. This would mean that the small business owner can't compete on an even playing field. As someone who's launching your own Personal blog, how do you feel this will affect you, Sonia?
0: Well, that's a great question. And, you know, and I'm I'm not an expert on net neutrality at all. I've I have friends who are. (laughs) In fact, one of my friends is the infamous Mike Godwin, the actual source of Godwin's law, which internet internet users are well familiar with. But I did a lot of research to write that article. And I would say, you know, right now I have a couple of concerns. One, I, you know, I do worry. That my my business will be put in a slow lane, you know, not just my, you know, not just my small individual blog, but Copyblogger is a big blog, but it's it's not a, a Netflix, you know, it's not right. some kind of massive company. We just certainly could not compete with, with the pockets of one of these massive, you know, the Amazons, the Googles. Mm. So I have concerns about that, you know, just selfishly, right? I, I'm concerned sure. about my ability to compete. I'm concerned about, you know, one of the interesting things, and I don't know if, I don't know how relevant this is to your audience in Australia, but in the United States, small to medium businesses are an amazing engine of growth.
1: They are in Australia too, Sonia. And just on that point about relevance to Australia, I did actually think about it. And a lot of content creators in Australia do have audiences in the United States. They sure do. They sure do. That could potentially affect their business as well. So it doesn't just affect American businesses
0: exactly. I mean, when you do business online, the great thing about it is you do business with the world.
1: Uh, mm. And
0: at copyblogger, we have we have customers from all over the world. It's one of the wonderful things about doing business online is you do make these connections, right. global connections that are that are fantastic. Um, so yeah, just because you know maybe you're not in the states, you you could still certainly be be affected by by the mm. law. so I, I'm concerned about, the engine of of growth in my country's economy being hamstrung. That doesn't seem like smart public policy to me. Uh-huh. And I have political concerns. I have free speech concerns. You know, uh-huh. would this open the door to certain kinds of political websites being silenced? Because right. you know, if if you've ever had that experience of going onto a website, we all know Google has educated us, right, (laughs) that even your ranking in the search results can really be affected if your site is slow, even if it had nothing to do with search engine results. It's just not enjoyable to go consume content on a slow website.
1: Absolutely. When I interviewed Ryan Fishkin, he explained it very well. Both times I interviewed him, he said, Google ultimately wants to deliver the best user experience, and if you have slow internet loading times it is going to affect the user experience and the shareability of the content which is going to affect the rankings
0: yeah exactly and even if it had nothing to do with google rankings of course google rankings are only important because they help users find us and if users mm-hmm. find us and our sites are slow and the load times are you know are terrible that's you know there's only so much you can optimize if again you've been put into a slow lane so i don't i don't say these things will happen because i don't have a crystal ball and i think mm-hmm. the last 2 years have really shown us that you know you have to take the pundits with a grain of salt. You mm-hmm. know we don't we can't predict the future. No one has a crystal ball. My concern is why would you open up these kinds of possibilities to damage small business, to hurt the economic engine of glo- you know global economic growth, to potentially open up a situation where maybe a corrupt official could could actually silence certain forms of free speech? In you know, in the name of the the big American internet providers becoming more profitable, and they are they're not in any danger. They're they're in great shape. <laughs> uh, I just came back from a year abroad, and it shocked me how much as an as a U.S. citizen I pay for decent internet compared to how much I was paying in Europe. Right, it's actually really striking.
1: <laughs> And you know, Sonia, in some countries, if I'm not mistaken, I think it might be South Korea, I believe it's a utility.
0: It's a utility. And that that's really the core. And I, I, I cannot explain to my listeners around the world why the US does certain things the way we do, because we have some things that are kind of peculiar. And one of them is that internet service providers are not regulated the way that, for example, the electric company is regulated.
1: Mm. And they should be, given today's day and age, given the advancement, given the amount we depend on the internet, it should be regulated, don't you think? Well, it's it's.
0: I think today, that's exactly right. I mean, I think there was a, there was a ruling made when the internet was more of a luxury. It was more like cable hmm. television. Right. You know, it was something that it was unusual and exotic. And I, I think the courts just didn't realize, you know, nobody realized how quickly the internet would become something we rely on. And so, yeah, in the u s, it's a totally um it's essentially um it's not exactly a monopoly, but it's awfully close. There's a small handful, more like an oligarchy. There's a small handful of providers, yeah. and you don't get a lot of competition. So our prices are high. Mm-hmm. and price increases are not regulated and and you know they could sort of they they're not really subject to the same kind of you know for example my the company that that provides the water to my house that's pretty tightly regulated because right. you know i, I need water <laughs> <laughs> yeah i need running water in my house is important yeah. and so yeah i i think it would just kind of make common sense to regulate the internet in the same way. But, you know, as you guys probably are aware, the US is a very, very free market economy mm-hmm. that has that has benefits and it has downsides. Um, in this case, I think it's I think it's it certainly gives me some concerns.
1: You know, I remember studying about the free market hypothesis, both in my undergrad and my postgrad when I did my MBA. And I think that often it seems to me like the world seems to miss the point which is it is a hypothesis it is mm-hmm. not an actual it's not an actual rule you know they're not real laws that govern the market i'm not trying to say the free market principles don't apply they do but i don't personally believe that the world can operate completely in a free market economy i think there has to be some amount of regulation and intervention and when it comes to Things like the internet and certain utilities, we do need to have this regulated. Otherwise, we've essentially got financial anarchy, I suppose. That's the
0: thing, right? You know, you want to have enough regulation that you provide a good infrastructure. And you use that right. word at the beginning of, of our conversation. I think it's a really important word. The, the principle I would love to see as an operating principle in the U.S., because it's a big economy, right? Mm-hmm. Lots of us in the English-speaking world do business here. Yeah folks in Canada folks you know all over the English speaking world do a lot of business in the US I would like to see that infrastructure preserved just like the public roads you know the public roads yes. everybody drives on the roads it's very important for us to be able to get to go about our business so for brick and mortar for customers to be able to come to a shop and and do business with me i need to have you know water coming to my business i need to have the lights on in my business i need to have roads that are maintained and i need in this day and age i need to have reasonable access to the internet and i can't be paying these crazy kind of in excess of already rather high rates to pay for some kind of special fast lane particularly because again an uncertain environment. You know, would that be an extra $100 a month? Would that be an extra $10,000 a month? I don't know. I've oh. got no, and that environment of uncertainty is a problem for business owners. It's a problem for stable economies. So that's, you know, that's the nature of, of my concern, not to be alarmist or, you know, anti-free market, you know, heaven oh. forbid, right? <laughs> but just to argue for common sense level playing field for the businesses that are so important to our future, for the innovation that's so important for your country, for my country, you know, and, and for, I think for probably virtually anybody listening to this, to this podcast.
1: Right. Now, in 2015, the Obama administration, my understanding is they tried to take a step in that direction, but the current administration is looking at reversing that. People like Netflix, who were previously very pro-net neutrality, now appear to be slightly sort of changing their tune. That said, there are still things we can do about net neutrality as individuals, and I'll touch on those in the action section a little bit later. But I just want to quote a little piece of your article, Sonia, from your blogger article that you wrote some time ago. It says, What net neutrality means for your business and why you need to act now and to protect it is that site speed is tremendously important to consumer consumption, experience, and conversion. And if our sites are slow and their sites are fast, their sites being the the big guys, our ability to connect with our prospects and our customers is materially harmed. I think you say it in the article, but net neutrality is what allowed Google and Facebook to compete. And I think this is why we even have these pretty awesome platforms particularly google which really has changed our world mm-hmm. and to some degree even apple when it was a fledgling it was able to use the internet to create itunes and deliver music you know in a completely different way and effectively redefine the world or as jobs used to say make a dent in the universe so these are the big names that we've heard of, but there are a whole lot of smaller businesses that we don't hear about that are doing very similar things to Google and Facebook. One of them being, the I remember Chris Garrett talking about it, the, the gentleman who's had a pool company and he transformed his pool business with content marketing.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Marcus Sheridan.
1: Marcus Sheridan, thank yeah, you. Yeah, the
0: sales land. Great. Um yeah, great guy. Great story. Just a scrappy. and that's the thing. It's that scrappy story, you yeah. know, of somebody who gets a creative idea and has this amazing tool of leverage. If you can figure out how to deliver more quality, how to be more interesting, more useful, Ooh. you get to play. you know yeah. it's it's astonishing. I mean, it's it's unprecedented. And it's those kind of wonderful little stories about, yeah, who knows what the next you know? I mean, when you think about how how big Facebook is today and how new it really is, yeah, it's amazing how quickly companies can grow and evolve and do really interesting things. Um, but you have to nurture you have to nurture those innovators when they're small. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wouldn't be you know if if you wait around and just wait for the the company that gets the massive venture funding. You know, a lot of times those are not. Those are not the great companies, you know, the ones who start up.
1: Correct. And they don't live and die by innovation. And that's the point, right? People like Google, Facebook, Apple have been able to exploit innovation. And that's what creates these great companies that deliver a spectacular experience for a customer. Mind you, Facebook is a little bit... I'm I'm not quite very fussed about their interface, but they still have innovated a lot. So you're right. When you have massive venture capital backing, it doesn't really... If anything, it might even stifle innovation because people throw money at the problem.
0: They do, and they tend to. It's just not a. It's as a business owner, shifting focus a little bit, just as me, because I don't know. You know, I'm. I, I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna found the next Facebook. I, I'm confident <laughs> of that. But for me to come up with really good business ideas, I'm much more likely to do that if I can launch small experiments, hmm. try some things connect with an audience that, you know, resonates with me. I really believe in that power of small to create a lot of freedom, a lot of wealth and not in the sense of, you know, number five employee at Google kind of wealth, but just the true wealth of being able to do what you want to do the way you want to do it, to live by your own values, to own your own time, to have enough money that you can make a reasonable living and support your family you know, and in in again in my economy, the traditional jobs. I saw this statistic, and I didn't believe it, and so I I looked into it. Mm-hmm. But something in between, something or more than a third of the American workforce is an independent contractor right now.
1: Wow! Wow!
0: You know, some of those folks really probably should be employees, and there's a little bit of shenanigans going on with the company. But the number of freelancers and Independent entrepreneurs and small one- and two-person shops or five-person, six, ten-person shops is really profound in the United oh.
1: States. And, and it's only going to grow.
0: And it's only going to grow. It's only going to grow. The traditional jobs just aren't
1: there. Oh. They're
0: shrinking. We all know, you know, and on the one hand, we look at the self-driving cars and we think that's pretty cool. And mm-hmm. then on the other hand, you look at all the truck drivers and cab drivers who will be put out of work. You know, automation right. and innovation take jobs away. They they just will. They'll take jobs away. I think it's important to nurture the ways that innovation and competition uh, can help us find other alternatives, other things to bring meaning to our lives, other ways to make a living. You know, if we just leave it to, to the giants, I have some questions about what that's going to look like. You know, not everybody can work for Google.
1: Exactly. And more importantly, this change is essentially taking away the opportunity for everybody to have the chance of one day becoming a Google. I'm not saying everyone will, but the infrastructure that launched Google or that allowed Google to become Google is potentially at stake. And that's what I'm anxious about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it is that potential. And I I don't think either you or I are are trying to say, you know, bad things will definitely happen. But I don't Mm. think it's wise to open the door to all kinds of unintended consequences. There's really not a great reason. There's just not a great payoff here.
1: Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about what we can do about it. So I... I have a wide article that I read and I thought was quite relevant. It had some quite good actionable things, and I'll link to that wide article in the show notes. But I'll just go through some of the things that it suggests we can do. So one of the action steps is you can write to the FCC, and there are links within that article which show you how to write to the FCC. Another one says, contact your representative, even at a state or a local level, and speak to them about your concerns. You can vote with your wallet by seeking out internet service providers that support net neutrality. I believe there are still quite a few out there. There are, yeah. And you can stay informed by keeping up with the latest developments. There are also some websites and causes, if you like, that are quite passionate about this you can reach out to those websites. And if I find them, I think they mentioned in that wide article, but I'll try and link to those in the show notes as well. So these are things that we can do. Is there anything else you suggest, Sonia, that we can do?
0: I've been following an organization called freepress.net. And so if you, especially if you're a U.S. citizen, so of course, if you're not a U.S. citizen, you can certainly voice your opinion. Mm -hmm. But... Freepress.net has been organizing things like town halls and you know events where US citizens can actually go out and talk to our elected officials and let them know that this matters to us because I think a lot of the reason that the that the move to revoke net neutrality has been able to get traction is it's a bit you know it's pretty wonky <laughs> and it's kind of complicated and it's not an issue like healthcare healthcare in the US is very simple right Oh. I can go to the doctor or I can't go to the doctor. Or I oh. can go to the doctor, but I'd have to go bankrupt. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> simple. It's very simple. Net neutrality, a little more complicated. And so those of us who do have the concerns, do have the kind of the real world concerns, we could show up to these events or just, you know, make donations to the organizations that are trying to trying to 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 fight for the rights of the more ordinary internet citizens against some of these just massive, massive corporate giants. And You know, we have won victories in the past, and so I think that it's very possible, but the folks who do depend on a free and fair internet, uh, it's so so helpful, especially those who are citizens of the States, to show up if you can and just show up to a town, town hall and be seen and be heard is really, really helpful.
1: Okay. Well, we have quite a lot of listeners of this podcast that are based in the US, so I hope that if you're listening and you're in the States, that you will take some action now, do you know, you, and you may not know the answer to this, Sonia, but are you aware if non-American citizens were to make their voice heard, whether that would carry any weight?
0: You know, it's it's hard to say. And it's it's always a question. I mean, I sign all these petitions, right, of of <laughs> governments who might be, you know, doing some human rights violation. And you think, well, I don't know if, if they care, really, if some mm-hmm. woman in Colorado, the United States, you know, is concerned about human rights violations. I think it doesn't hurt. And I think that most of us, again, you know, you mentioned Facebook. Uh, it's funny because a lot of us have our issues with Facebook, and yet you and I kind of connect on Facebook and see each other. And, and, yeah. and you know, it's like, oh, hey, you know, Ash is doing something interesting. Yeah. If you have, you know, those of you who are in Australia, New Zealand, where, wherever it might be, you probably have friends, American friends on Facebook. Maybe you could point them to this podcast. Yes. You know, as a way to let them know that this is really, it's not a not an esoteric or even a technical issue. It's really more about freedom of speech and and fairness.
1: In terms of dates, I'm not sure as to when the hammer drops on this thing.
0: You know, I'm not either, and it's it's a kind of a funny situation now in the U.S. because it's a little hard <laughs> to know what's happening. So, you know, mm. what we know is that the new FCC chairman
1: Ajit Pai, is a
0: former, yes, former attorney for Verizon. You know, has declared that he thinks that net neutrality is is not. That's something that the FCC should continue to support. And so a lot of these things will tend to happen, you know, in closed-door meetings where it's hard to know what's what's going. So, yeah, I don't know what, th- what the timing looks like. I do know that Freepress.net, I subscribe to their email newsletter, and they have been sending me notes about um, town halls and things. So things are in motion, but, boy, your guess is as good as mine about right. when something might actually come to a vote. Okay,
1: right. Well, one thing you can definitely do is if you feel that this information is useful and you want to get somebody else to take action, maybe just direct them to this episode and just tell them to listen to the last bit. They don't have to listen to the start if they already understand the value of net neutrality. And it'll probably be published. I have to double check this, but it'll be published as ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 144. So that'll be the episode number, episode 144. So if there's, is there anything else you'd like to add, Sonia? Actually, that's right. You were going to talk about the mindset of independence. Did you want to still say a few words about that? Yeah,
0: I, that might be a good kind of closure. And it, and it touches on what, you know, the way that you opened, which is, um, I think those of us who do have digital businesses, I am, you know, a digital entrepreneur. I have been now for quite a while. It's funny. You look back mm. and think, oh, gosh, I might have been doing this for something like 10 years. Oh, cool. Yeah. You know, it's just funny the way that The way that time flies, we think of ourselves, I think, as super independent. You know, I can create, especially online, I can create something out of nothing, right? We think we're (laughs) magicians, you know, because I type some words and I host them on a website and I have and people show up from around the world and they can become my customers and we can do amazing things and we can organize action like we're talking about today
1: and that is such a gift sonia that is such a complete gift
0: it's such a gift and i i want to caution anybody who's participating in this amazing experiment you know of the internet we take it for granted the mm. infrastructure that lets us do it and we just think well it's 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 always going to be free and it's always going to be fast and it's and we we can't take it for granted we have to protect it just like a business owner protects you know if if their electricity was threatened mm. they would have something to say about it as digital either business owners or just people who are passionate and want to do things online you know want to convince other people to eat better or take better care of their pets or or vote a certain way or or have more compassion for their fellow you know human beings whatever it is that you are using the web to get the word out about we need to protect the web we can't just take it for granted and think it's always going to be the way it is today yeah and and that's that's really what i want people to kind of take away
1: well i think that's a fantastic way to close the conversation so thank you so much sonia for being on the show and it's always a pleasure talking to you if there's anyone who feels strongly about this. And if you feel that any of this resonated, please share this with as many people as you can, because I'm really keen to get the word out there. And I think Sonia is too. So please do share this with others and please go out and speak to your local representatives. Try and investigate what you can do about making sure that your rights as a content creator are protected.
0: Oh, well, Ash, thank you so much for the opportunity. This has been a really great, great conversation.
1: Cool. As always.
0: Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?